Performance. You can go to electronperformance.com and check out all the strength and conditioning plans that they have. Um, they're tailored specifically for jiu-jitsu athletes, and they have some of the smartest people in, in strength and conditioning um, working for them who also train jiu-jitsu. So definitely check out electronperformance.com. Go to their Instagram. Check out all their social media. They have some, some really great and informative posts, and we're just really happy to be partnered up with them. So um, our guest for today's episode is Pablo Lavaselli. Pablo is a black belt originally from Argentina, and he uh, recently won the World Pro in the 77-kilogram division, which is an awesome, amazing accomplishment. So thanks so much for joining us, Pablo. Uh, thank you guys for inviting me. I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. Uh, so yeah, let's get started. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So you just want to start out talking about how you originally got into Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, yeah, for sure. So at the beginning, I started with MMA at uh, an academy here from Argentina. Uh, and I didn't like the the standing power, you know, like Muay Thai, kickboxing. I actually, I was going there hoping that they will do jiu-jitsu because <laughs> sometimes they will do just striking, and it was like fuck, like <laughs> striking. Yeah, and it's like I, I was just only waiting like the part of jiu-jitsu. The moment I just they, they start teaching that, I, I was crazy, you know, mm -hmm. and I just uh, I was going back home and I started watching YouTube videos, you know, like. <laughs> The first, like, triangle, sambor. I think the first video on YouTube I saw was, like, Roy Dean Academy. They was a very martial artist, and they, they made super cool videos. Yeah. Uh, so I started with that. And then uh, I just decided to move from that MMA Academy because uh, it wasn't Jiu-Jitsu. Like, it wasn't just – it was MMA, you know. So I mm -hmm. wanted to do only Jiu-Jitsu, pure Jiu-Jitsu. So I joined to the, uh, another academy, which its name is uh, 360, would be in English. Uh, and then I started doing jiu-jitsu over there for uh, one year and a half till I got my, my blue belt. And then uh, after that, uh, we just left it, dropped the team with my, with my best friends because uh, we have different kind of thoughts uh, with our professor. So we decided to just uh, move out from the team. Mm -hmm. And then we, we didn't want to join to another team because there were some like in Argentina at the beginning at least when I was a I was blue belt or white belt there was a lot of politics you know like yeah. oh you shouldn't be training with them you just should train with us and so on blah 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 and we just like to train jiu-jitsu I don't we, I don't I don't care with who I just want to train with people that want to perfection their technique and they want to train hard so we just uh, trained for more or less one year and a half at my home you know, we bought like a mat with our with the money that we have left over there, and just start training at our home. Also, we started inviting people at home, so my mother wasn't very happy at all. But I was <laughs> inviting people, just like, okay, you want to come train? Go, go, go! I was like 18, 18, 19 years old at the time. It was just, go, go, go! Uh, and also, we go uh, we go out to train at other academies over there. Like people that were very nice to us, they opened the doors, and we just go like from time to time to train to different places. So it was a cool experience. And then in the end, we just moved to to Nova Union, that mm -hmm. academy, because the guy, the owner of the of the team, uh, he said, okay, guys, I have like this spot free. If you want to come to, if you want to come to train here, there is no problem. And at that time, I was, I wasn't only training at home in my garage, but also I started training with uh, guys from different teams. And the training was so good that we decided, okay, guys, let's pick a place that we can train all together because this is very nice. And this professor, Eduardo Duarte, he gave gave us the opportunity to, to train in this spot in Union. And then I just stayed there and we never left because it was so cool, the environment, you know, the guy, he's never like, uh, okay, you cannot do this, whatever. He's always supporting us. He's not like a professor. He's not just, he's a more a businessman than our professor. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's always uh, very, he gave us the welcome. He's very nice to us. He helped us, you know, with the trips, uh, with the tournaments. So he's a very, he's a very nice guy and uh, we owe him a lot because of that. Yeah, that's an awesome uh, story. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. Cool Keep, going. Keep going. Keep <laughs> going. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And we just started there training. And from that, I just... Uh, I stayed in this academy in Argentina, and then I got the opportunity because of uh, one guy that I know from Cicero Costa, Andrew Porfirio. Uh, he invited me because when I was blue belt, I went to compete to Brazil in the in the Wars of Brazil at, at that time. Mm -hmm. 
And I met uh, after the after the tournament. I went to Cicero Costa. I met some friends there, and I met Andre Porfirio. And then when I reached the brown belt years later, uh, Andre just wrote me about this opportunity that I guess was offering uh, to bring people to their academy, to you know to give them like opportunity to be able to compete at the highest level, you mm -hmm. know, and been there. So I just went there. And now I'm. Uh, this is like Orlando is like my base, Renzo Grisso, Orlando. So now I'm in Argentina for uh, visa complications. You know, I have to be here just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But just right now they approved me my athlete visa, like uh, like recently, like two weeks ago, something like that. So now I'm gonna be able to travel without problems over the U.S. and stay, you know, without any problem with the borders. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. your story is is very unique. I feel like because you started in a country where jujitsu wasn't as big as it is in Brazil or the U.S. Obviously, and then uh -huh. you you kind of uh -huh. broke away from the traditional model of training and left <laughs> left your academy at, at an early an early belt and kind of started your own thing. So was that was that difficult for you at first when you first started training on your own and just inviting people to the garage? Was that something that made you nervous, or was was it something that made you excited? Uh, I think a little bit both. It's like whenever you left a team, it's like, okay, you, now you are less people to train. But when we left the team, so they kick two other team members before, and then we left ourselves. Mm -hmm. but we, they didn't kick us. We just left. By choice. And, yeah. There another, yeah, and then, then another guy also left. So we, could, we, we were able to train with them because – in that team, in that academy, we really had like a really nice team, like uh, mm -hmm. like guys that they want to train super hard, you know, they compete and they also work. But besides that, they wanted to train very hard and improve all day. We yeah. were training all day, you know, like we, we only could do like one training session per day because mm -hmm. it was like 8.30 p.m. till uh, till 10. But... Usually we stay like, like 11 p.m. because we were always like after training doing some laboratory and stuff like that. Yep. So after we, we drop, uh, the other guys uh, also left the team. They were training also with us. So we were able to keep like, you know, that that, that training, you know, that, that learning after the sessions when we do laboratory. Mm -hmm. And also we love uh, watching matches. You know, at the time it was Buddha videos. Yeah. And I, I remember with, with my friends, we had three laptops. So we were able to record the screen of the matches. So mm -hmm. whenever we want, we can just rewatch the the matches all the time. Uh, so I don't know if it was hard. I, I, it could be a little bit hard. I, I feel that having a professor is very easy in some ways because mm -hmm. they can provide you some answer that you might not be able to find at the beginning because you're too new doing the, this, this type of laboratory or whatever. But also it helped me to be my own professor, you know, to be able to, okay, I want to learn something. How, how should I be, how should I approach to this? You know, so I started like, I don't know, I want to learn about the La Hiva. Okay, I wish, we will study the best guys doing the La Hiva. At the time, I would say uh, the Mendes brothers, the Miao brothers. Okay, how, how are these setups? Where are they grabbing? Uh, why are they moved this way and another way, you know? And at that time, doing, doing it that way, I was able to become also like my, my own professor, so to speak. So yeah. not having a professor, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing. Like it has opposite, uh, have good things and bad things. But we were able to have like a, to build like a really good guys, a good team, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so when you, my friends. so when you first started training in the garage, how did you structure the training sessions? Was it like specific time you set aside to drill and to do like, like study of different positions or was it just mostly rolling? Like how were you able to, to do the training differently from what you had experienced in the past at your academy? So we had uh, two training sessions per day. The first one uh, was at noon, we, which would be only like uh, drilling and more laboratory. Mm -hmm. And then we had this sparring session that would be more in the afternoon because usually people are more free in the afternoon than you know, in the noon or in the morning. Yep. Uh, that would be like the, the, the regular training that we were doing. Uh, we just improved in that because we stay in also after the training doing some laboratory to see what reactions were, what reaction didn't work. You know, I'm just doing that constantly. It, it, it gets you better, yeah. you know? And, and then what else? No, only that because after I, we joined to this other 
academy, we are able to do also strength conditioning because at the time we didn't do strength conditioning. And also we, we started doing that, so it also helped us, you know, to get stronger for the divisions. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you touched on it a little bit already, but I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into how you studied other competitors and, and kind of how you, you mimic some of them. You mentioned the Mendez brothers and the Meow brothers having really good daily hevas. Is that kind of your approach to how you would add techniques to your game? Maybe thinking about the competitors who were doing certain positions the best, studying them and trying to add all the details that they were using into your, your own game? Yeah, so usually I try to pick uh, the people that I be in, my, in my belief they are the best at what they're doing, mm-hmm. and I try to extract that from them. So I think I have a good thing that is I'm able to analyze and copy very well the people. The thing that is uh, that I'm missing a little bit is my own creativity. I have to be more creative because mm-hmm. I think at this level, being creative and having your own position is very important in the yeah. future. Uh, but but it's that I just pick the best guy that is I know doing the La Hiva now nowadays for example I'm studying a lot to China and Opera I believe yeah. China and Opera is now the best passing guy in the in the sport he has like a pressure passing losing passing and he also have uh, what I call triple passing when your hips are higher than your head and also he passed with like more straight posture so that provides different reactions when you're passing. And he's able to combine very well those systems, you know. So I'm really into it, just studying Tainan very much because I really like the, the way he passed. I believe he's right now the best passer uh, nowadays. It's my belief. Um, so that, that's it. I just pick the best guy or the, the best three guys that I believe they're doing something that I, that I should be doing. And I start studying them a lot. At the beginning, I copy them. Then... After I copy them, I try to do some laboratory about the position. Okay, why is he doing this? Why, why is he, what is he achieving by putting the weight over this? By doing this triple position, by putting the the chest up, what reaction is uh, creating to his opponent? And then with time, you you see that uh, you you're able to read those reaction because you're start practicing and you see that the reaction you you actually saw in the videos are are happening during the sparring and it's crazy you know it's like okay this is what happens and now i can combine the technique all the time yep. because now I'm, I'm feeling that i'm i was more like a guard player before i i, I really i believe that i have a more confident on my guard i i have a good passing but i have more confidence in my guard that's different but uh, i believe that I'm, I'm good passing but now with this kind of like approach using Taina and watching Leandro Lowe also Lepri I'm able like I, I, I'm feeling like I combine techniques all the time not stopping combining before like I used to like doing two or three moves and then just stop and it's like I kind of move maybe because I have a last or whatever and now watching them watching especially Tainan we were able to break down some good things even beyond Tainan because he he like the way he passing he encouraged to do some things that also brought us new things, you know, that we didn't expect to, to find out new things. And that uh, allows us to combine a lot all the time. So we are very happy with that. Yeah, I've been watching him a lot too. I, I definitely agree. Like he passes really well from the outside. He's able to pass through the guard, uses a lot of different changing directions uh, type passes. So it's really fun to watch him. But um, before we move on, I just want to make sure capture everyone who you said you had as like an influence. You mentioned Leandro Lowe. Lucas Lepri, Tynan, oh, the Meow brothers, Mendes brothers. I, I, Is it too long I, of a I list? Think it was, yeah, I think it was changing with time. Like at the beginning, I started doing like the La Hiva and Verimbolos. That was my mm-hmm. game. The La Hiva and Verimbolo, Chorus Leaf. So the Mendes brothers, the Meow brothers were like yeah. uh, my foundation, right? Mm-hmm. No Ambars, no Triangles, only Verimbolos. Okay, <laughs> so forget about that. <laughs> uh, so I started with those. And then, for example, I had a little bit of back pain at the beginning, like three months of white belt, four months, something like that. Maybe because I was doing a lot of very bolos with heavy guys or whatever. And at the time, it was very light. It was 65 kilograms, something like that. So now I'm like mm-hmm. 10 kilograms or even more <laughs> than yeah. that. So, so I had to switch a little bit. I Actually, I was out for a couple of months doing rehab. And then I started coming back to training, but I couldn't do very well. So I started watching, for example, Leandro Losgar, mm-hmm. because he do a lot of uh, foot on the bicep and he entered to the X car, right? Yeah. Now he's not using that anymore. He's only doing the La Hiva to X car. But at the time, he was using foot on the bicep and the La Hiva. 
So mm -hmm. he will combine Spider with the La Hiva, which is very good to enter under people's center of gravity and from there sweeping from Exgar. So I started in that. Plus a very involved game, I was in that. And then with time, I started feeling better on my back, and I was able to do also Brain Ball. So I started combining those games, the Rahiva with Edgar, uh, with Brain Ball stuff, uh, and it helped me a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so what would your advice be? Because I think there's a lot of people who um, train in areas where there's not like a big academy, and maybe they train at a smaller academy and they need to do more training outside of the gym. What would be your advice for people to get the most out of training if they don't have a professor who's leading them every single day, who's like a high-level black belt? Um, they have to be organized. I, I think that's the most important thing. You cannot go to your to your to your training session to do random shushitsu. You cannot. It's like you're gonna go over there and okay, I'm just doing shushitsu today. No. What do you want to improve precisely today? Okay, today I'm gonna focus on passing. Okay, what type of passing? It's gonna be loose passing. It's gonna be pressure passing. What way? Like. It's going to be more long steps. It's going to be more Torianos. Like, you have to have a goal. You know, you can, mm -hmm. you can have also, like, uh, many goals. You, you can, okay, I'm going to just do losing passes, com combining with pressure passes. Of course, you can do that. Uh, but that's, that's the main thing, like, having a goal on the week, okay? In this week, I want to improve this. So I'm going to focus my drill sessions. I'm going to be focused on this. I'm going to do a specific training, which I believe a specific training is now being, like, very, very good to me. You know, rather than just sparring a lot. Before mm -hmm. I used to sparring a lot, like two, three times a day, whatever. Now I'm just focusing more on specific training. And also, this uh, is very important for me. I was doing, uh, I was doing training with people that are not better than me. Before I used to train like uh, a lot uh, with people that are on my level. You know, so the the thing with with that is like when you train with someone that is as good as you, you tend to do your plan A. You know, right? Yeah. You don't move to the plan B or C because if you do that, then you're screwed. Yeah. So you are not able to improve something new. So the idea is, uh, I have a one hard training per session and the, uh, per day, and then I move to another session when I have sparring with people that are less good than me. So I'm able to practice new thing and also adjust the thing that I'm already working. You know, so that's also good. Uh, it's always you have to drill. You have to have a specific training, and the sparring is not always the the hardest part that you can find. You have to be with people that you can work your stuff and work your new stuff, your your old stuff that you can adjust little by little, and also your new stuff. Because if you go all the time with your main partners, you're not, not going to be able to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely can relate to like whenever I try new stuff against someone who I've trained with a lot or who's higher level than me, it just puts me in a bad position and then I'm just playing defense the whole rest of the round. <laughs> so I can yeah, de or, definitely relate. Yeah, you're doing your A game, you know, you're not moving yep. maybe to a B game because you know you're going to get smashed all the time. Nobody likes to get smashed, so it's like <laughs> they start doing the A game. Yeah. But definitely you have to let go the ego like of the mm -hmm. training and go with your goal. Like, if that means that you're going to get smashed, even if you respect your goal, that's good. And also, I'm a big fan of, uh, I always read this because it helps a lot with people that have a lot of ego. Uh, Sean Thomas, he wrote a, a paragraph some time ago saying that when you focus more on uh, on, on your learning rather than your winning the matches, this power extension are more enjoyable, right? Because yeah. when you go there... And you, even, even if you lose, you're able to get something about why you lose. You add something to your game. Okay, just I lose because of why. Let's address, let's address this. So you left the training room with something new that you have, you can add, you can learn. And that's improve your jiu-jitsu. By the contrary, if you just go with the mindset, okay, let's uh, beat everybody. And that day you weren't able to beat no one. They just kick your ass. Your training is like a shit because you go there, you lose all the matches. And then you go home with nothing, with all loses and no learning. Mm -hmm. So it's not good to measure the, 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 the quality of the training by your winnings over the training. But also you have to measure it by about how much you left the room with new knowledge, something that you can add to your game. Yeah, I would definitely encourage people to go to – it was John Thomas you said, his Instagram? John Thomas, yeah. Yeah, John Thomas, he, yeah. So he did the – I think it was 
uh, it was about focusing on understanding jujitsu versus winning. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's exactly a great it's a great one. post. I'll try and reshare it on our Open Guardcast page yeah. if I can find it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a great <laughs> post. <laughs> so I, I wanted it to is, ask you a, again about um, like focusing on something specific for training because. The examples you use were like focusing on like pressure passing or loose passing. So do you tend to focus more on a concept like that that has different variations or a, a very specific technique? So Jiu-Jitsu is very big, right? You have very, very variations. So what I learned and also uh, another uh, another of my the people that I, am, I look up a lot and I I'm looking up since like almost three or four years is John Danaher. I think he oh, changed yeah. he changes a lot my my thoughts, you know, about mm-hmm. training. And the text he he's, he wrote he helped me a lot, all the texts that he made on on, on Instagram. Yeah. And also the teaching I also watches all his DVD, Gordon's DVD, they helped me like a lot, tremendous, a lot. So the idea is simplify. It's it's very big, the Jiu Jitsu, so try to simplify. Okay? Because then you're gonna you're gonna lose. So for example, our week we have sometimes we do one week or sometimes two weeks of training of the same thing. So we have a sparring session, then specific training. In the specific training, for example, we were focusing on pin control, right? Yep. So we were starting um, either side control or turtle, and we have a. Uh, it was 20, 25 minutes or either submitting your partner starting from those positions or scoring points and then the other half was only submission only. So in this in this case, we are uh, working our uh, pin control plus isolation and submissions and also all defensive skills of those yeah. positions. So we remove the guard and we remove the, uh, the passing just to give you an idea on how we train. Mm-hmm. Then uh, uh, other type of sessions, we will have like a specific goal of starting from the La Hiva, you know, maybe getting the guard to single leg X. It's one of our goal, getting inside, not going outside, you know. And from the top, you have to deal with that with situation. If the guy is able to put in single leg X, you can keep moving forward. But if able to disengage, you start over and so on. So we don't try to move to other positions. We just work precisely in the position that we want to improve. And also after that, uh, not everybody, but I also stay a little bit doing more laboratory after the training. You know, like if someone was able to do some good move on me, I would ask, like, what do you do here? Like, do it again so I can see it, I can study it, and then it just, I, again, I add something new to my game, you know. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, what I like about that specific training is I feel like, well, a couple things. I think, first of all, it's you're less prone to, to getting injured doing that type of training. And the second thing is I feel like sure. it kind of takes the ego out of it a little bit because you're working on something so specific and your partner knows also what you're working on. So it's mm. you, it kind of frames the situation a little bit differently. But would you agree with those two points? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like people let more of the ego aside when they do a specific training. But you know something that I, that I – um, actually when I started jiu-jitsu – I think till brown belt, I didn't know precisely how to do, I would say, top lock to upper, just to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I told you, like, because of Dana hair, I was able to improve a lot. Because mm-hmm. I was, fo- I, at the beginning, I focused more on bring ball, back takes, and whatever. And again, I didn't have a professor. So it's like, it was me training myself with my with my best friends and my friends. So it's like, yeah. I didn't have everything organized. I have to go whatever I thought it was good. And then with the we all the Danaher system, with the Ambar system, back attack system, whatever, I was able to to go in back to the basics, if you want to call. And also, I start finding very enjoyable the thing about defensive skills, which mm-hmm. is is something that I start putting a lot of work on myself because it gives you not only the ability to not being able uh, to be able to not getting submitted by everybody. Just imagine this: if you're able to not getting submitted by anybody else, you cannot lose. Okay, just they can win you by points, but you're not gonna be able to lose. So mm-hmm. you're just removing one important card from the table for there. Okay. The second one, it it gives you a a different mentality. It, it gives you like a different mindset that you are able to escape whenever like you're gonna escape every time, and you're not gonna only to escape, but after that you you have to switch to an attack. You know that's the mindset I'm starting to build in. Starting like getting to to def- uh, defensive, you know, like 
someone passing or mounting. And after I immediately escape, I just move to the attack. That's why I believe Roger is, was so good. Roger was able to get in a bad spot, but it was a guy that you knew that if the guy recovered, he was able to submit you. That's why he was so dangerous. You know, that guy, mm -hmm. that's something that you have to build, and it's something that we don't have because of the rules that we compete. In the ABJF system, we are more focusing about uh, guard, sweeping, submitting from the guard, and passing. A passing Jiu-Jitsu means almost 90% of chance that you're going to win the match, right? Three points. Uh, so we, we move on that with that criteria, and we never work a little bit uh, or a lot on defensive skills. But working on defensive skills, it gives you the security, again, that if you end up on a bad spot, you know that you can escape, and then you can submit your partner. That's why that's, that's been my focus lately. I'm being focused, even though I'm very bad at it, I'm still very bad. I'm just working on that a lot. I've been putting myself in those positions. I just escaping from out, escaping from side control. It's been very good now. And now I'm putting a lot of work in on escaping from the back. And then my goal is just escaping from straight full ambers, which I, I, I saw Gordon doing that uh, yeah. on Modolfo Craig Jones. Camp with Jason Torres. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Craig Jones and also the Modolfo Camps. They, they, yeah. they, they do a DVD. It was crazy, bro. Like Gordon Ryan was uh, just... Passing I, I saw it. Yeah, it was crazy. And the, yeah, it was like just crazy. He blew my mind. Then he also passed it. He passes his guard, mount, escape from there, and immediately switch into attack or just straight full ambers, escape, and so on. Uh, so yeah, so just adding more of that that I believe is 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 gonna create something new to my jujitsu mm -hmm. because again, IBJF guys, once you pass their guard, they're done. Yeah. Like if you if you see for example Leandro Law one of the best passer and also at the time was a very good guard. Once he gets past or get a half guard crash, he's done. He's not moving anymore. Uh, by the contrary, Roger Gracie is able to keep fighting, escape, and submit you right away. And also, could it be uh, Felipe Pena? Felipe Pena is able, he has very good defensive skills as well in the WGF tournaments. And I don't know who else has have, uh, like a big defensive skills. But uh, again, like the, that DDS was a big inspiration. Like Dana Hare, Gordon, the, the, the Craig Jones, they, they inspired me a lot, you know, to to do another thing that I was like just putting away on my YouTube because I believe like doing why do I why would I practice defensive skills if you just have a good guard and that's it? And no, it, it helps you to you know to have another mindset and having like again, first not not being able to get in submitted is one amazing card always, especially if you do submission submission only tournaments mm -hmm. and which I want to do more on a gi also so that's why I, I want to get good at it and also it gives you the confidence that if you get on a bad spot uh, sorry I also give you the confidence to attack more because yeah. when you're attacking sometimes you're like oh I have to be careful because if I do this maybe I'm going to end up on you know inverted on side control or and he's going to amber me mm -hmm. but if you have the confidence that you know that you can escape from those positions then you can attack with more confidence because you know if you end up on those spots you're going to be able to escape and that again gives you like a, a different mentality when you go to sparring. Yeah, remind, what you're saying reminds me a lot, of, actually, of what our first guest John Combs talked about a lot. He said that oh. Donaher's DVDs for the pin escapes and the guard retention were huge game changers for him. Just because, like you said, like most IBJJF competitors, they don't really focus on the defensive skills; they're just focused on sweeping and passing and you know, getting the back. I feel like is a big thing too for IBJJF. So, so yeah, it's really interesting how that how that. Donahue's philosophies and his team's philosophies really changed your jiu-jitsu. Even though you still mostly compete, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you mostly compete IBJJF and like Abu Dhabi Grand Slam type rules. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I'm, 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 I think I compete like twice or three times with Nogi right now. Yeah. So I, I, I consider myself like a, like a white belt with first try on, on Nogi. So <laughs> I'm just trying to improve over there, but I'm very bad. I still I have to a lot of work to do, but yeah. So, so you talked about the rule sets and, and maybe some of the weaknesses of the IBJJF rule set. What's your favorite rule set to compete in, and what would be your ideal rule set if you could create your own? Well, man, so honestly, I've never competed in the, uh, the submission-only rule set yet. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's something that I really would like to, to do because... I think it's the purest form of Jiu-Jitsu, right? Because it's like the match is going to be over whenever someone gets submitted. Yeah. 
and th- I think that's the the point of Yushitsu, right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very again, I'm a, I really like the philosophy of Dana here. Just Yushitsu is the sayonara that leads to control. Uh, sorry, the control that leads to submission. Yeah. You know, like that's that's the key, and I start believing that a lot. So if that's the purest form of Jiu-Jitsu, I want to be able to compete that and win on that. Okay, in the IBGF, uh, you don't see many submissions on the uh, on the ten-minute match, mm-hmm. and also I don't know why. It's hard. It has to be when when it's when there are some big difference, then you see submissions between the athletes. But if they are even, it's hard to see a submission in 10-minute matches. Yeah. Usually you have to need, you need more time to submit. Especially with the gear, you can uh, wrap the lapel 50-50 and you don't have heel hooks, you know? So it's more like a, more even in that, in that area. But, so right now, I never compete submission only. I never compete ADCC. And, but are rules that I would really like to compete also with the gi, not only no gi, like not only submission, only uh, no gi, but I would like to do it with the gi, you know, being able to be, be very, very, uh, very dangerous over there and also testing my, my defensive skills. Uh, but I really like to compete at BGF as well. I don't have problems with that. But with time, I, I'm I'm starting thinking more about like, a, and it's like, okay, you're winning by points. It's not that good. Like if you don't get the submission, it's like, they, 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 again, they, 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 I think the DDS just switched my mindset, and that's that's good. Are you a fan of the fight to win rule set? So fight to win, if I'm wrong, it's just uh, you score for the submission. If I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, for submission attempts. Yeah, for submission attempts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a good rule I like it. I uh, actually I compete one time. If I'm not wrong, yeah, I compete. I won by strangle from the back, so it was a good experience. And yes, I, I would really like to keep competing in a fight-to-win rule set, for sure. It's a good it's a good rule set. That's awesome. So I do want to get into a little bit of your competitive accomplishments, like what you've what you've done up to this point. Obviously, I mentioned that you won the World Pro, so I want to get, get into that because that's a massive tournament. But what were some of the biggest accomplishments uh, competitively that you achieved coming up through the colored belts? In the colored belts, uh, well, I compete a lot in Brazil because Brazil is closer than the U.S. for us. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's cheaper to go there. Uh, so let me think. Should I start from purple, right? Yeah, you can start uh, from purple. Okay. So at purple, I got first in the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, it was my first time competing uh, UIA JJF. Mm-hmm. It was my first time, so it was like uh, amazing. So I was able to get the gold, and I traveled with a friend, uh, his whose name was Angel Alderete. He competed and he got third in the absolute. If I'm not wrong, he lost to Maragalli. He was a uh, bro. He was insane. That that <laughs> training partner of mine. He he dropped Jiu-Jitsu, but bro, at the first year of the black belt, yeah, he got second at uh, Brasileiros at Brazilian Nationals. Um, what's his name he again? Lost the final, Angel Alderete. So okay. he just uh, he dropped jujitsu, but mm-hmm. it was a, it was a yeah it was so bad. You gotta look him up. <laughs> yeah, it was so sad. He was a beast. Uh, but that was my first achievement as a purple belt. Then I got second. At the time, we we competed like the worlds at Brazil because yeah, it was CBJJ. Yeah, it had, yeah, yeah, it had some prestigious mm-hmm. uh, back on the time. So I lost the finals over there. I think it was my first time competing. I lost in the finals. Then also I won the the trials for Abu Dhabi here in Argentina. I won my division and I won the absolute. At that time, you had to not, not only making points, but we had to you're supposed to win the the open class to be able to travel. Mm-hmm. So I won my division. I won the open class. And then I'm just thinking if I have a what tournaments I made on the purple. Let me check it. If uh, one second, but I think that's my my big mess, my big accomplishment as a purple Let me just let me just check it over here very fast. I think I won. Uh, also, I won the trials on my division again mm-hmm. as a purple I the, the last uh, the year after, and I lost on the semifinals of the open class with Victor Hugo. Oh wow! I lost by, <laughs> yeah, I lost by two points. Big size difference there. <laughs> oh, no idea, bro. It was, like, it was moving a wall. Something like yeah. That. It was crazy. So it was crazy because he just, uh, I think he kicked 
uh, my leg when I was almost to pull guard. So they he scored two by that, and then I come I came on top on a on an X guard. But bro, when I come on top, he kicked with the leg, and the leg was like so big he moved me like boom. Yeah, like that, and he just <laughs> moved your whole body. <laughs> yeah, bro, he skipped the leg, and it was just too sure. But it was a good experience. Um, and then I don't know if I have more support, but I think I have more by competing here in Argentina, you know, just um, mm-hmm. some local tournaments. More, yeah, more local tournaments from uh, that I compete here. And I also here, I think I did everything like uh, the big tournaments that are here, whatever. I was able to to get like the, the weight division of the class all the time, mm-hmm. all closing with, with my friends that, that we are teammates. Um, yeah, and I think as uh, so a purple, but it, wa- it wasn't good. I went to compete uh, the world's WGF the first time. So I think the first one I got the submission. No, the first one I won by a Bennett. The second one I won like a 15-0 or something like that. And then the third one I lost to Italo Moura by ref decision. Wow, yeah, he's tough. We had him on the podcast, too. He's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, he's very <laughs> tough. So I lost with it all of my reflection. And then as a prepare, I think I don't have any more. <laughs> That's it. Nice. So you want to get into then, brown belt? Uh, okay, moving up to brown belt. I went to compete again on the Worlds in Brazil. And this time I got my got first place. Oh, it was, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, because here we have a federation that if you... If you if you're able to get first place on the ranking, on the open class ranking, they pay you to go to this tournament. All the trip, you know, all the all the plane ticket and the registration and so on. So I was able to win that since I'm a blue belt to to brown belt. Then as a black belt, I didn't compete because I think the the, the organization disappeared. <laughs> so like they got tired of paying for your trips. <laughs> now there are now there are less tournaments than before, bro. When I was purple belt or blue, I used to compete more. Then was a brown belt. And moving to black belt, there was non-tournament, just yeah. nothing. So I got first place. Uh, that, that was my first tournament competing as a brown belt. It was very, very tough. I fought with, um, actually, the, I don't know if it was the first match or second match. I fought with Aleph Brito. I don't know if oh, you know yeah. him. Oh, yeah. Aries. Yeah, he's super tough. Yeah. yeah so I, You had I another match with him at black belt, right? Yeah, I, I lost the finals on the American Nationals. Yeah, I saw that one. That was a tough <laughs> so match. He got, he got his revenge. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I beat him that, and then he beat the American Nationals. Then I won the Continental Pro in New York. Uh, sorry, I got second place in the Continental Pro in New York. I lost the finals to Levi Jones by two points, 4-2, if I'm not wrong. Uh, then I won, in, and I won the Continental Pro in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, uh, I fought the finals with Leo Lara, Leonardo Lara. Oh, yeah, he's great from too. Almeida. Yep. Yeah, he's very good. Then I got second place at the World Pro in Abu Dhabi. I lost the finals to Leo Lara. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I beat one, he beat me the other one. The most important, I would say. Uh, then I think I went to compete. Uh, I did a Grand Slam in Los Angeles, and I lost to to Jonathan Alves. It was a mess. He submitted me in one minute and a half. It never happened in wow. my life, so it was a mess. <laughs> he really he really got that leg drag to the back, so he submitted me over there. He's really good at that. <laughs> He's very good at this. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> then I went to compete at uh, Dallas Fall. I won my division with the Gi. Uh, I didn't in the op- and I lost the open class. I think quarterfinals. I can't remember with who. And then what else I did? Uh, open Argentina one. Well, I won the, op- the Argentina Open here. Then I competed Grand Slam in Rio de Janeiro, and I lost the finals to Gutierrez Barbosa. I don't know if you know him. Yep, Carlson Gracie. Yeah, he's very tough. Yeah. Watched also him a lot. Tough. Yep. <laughs> He's very good at Bro, he just, uh, the first uh, 10 minutes of my match, he just broke my pangry. He has a very, very strong grip. Wow. I was trying to strip the grip, and he just. Like, was that 77 my... kilos as well? 77 kilos. Because I know he's fought yeah. up at 85 before, too. Yeah, now he's so. bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he, those guys have He grew. Been. He was young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, what else? 
I think also I compete again in Abu Dhabi as a brown belt, and I got uh, I got third place. I got third place. I lost in the semi. Uh, no, I lost on the. I think it was semifinals, and then you have to do lower bracket, which is bro, it's even harder. Like you, you maybe do like three fights on the main bracket, you lost, and then you have to do four more matches. It's like insane. crazy. <laughs> Give me a second when I just turn on the lights. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, and then uh, what else? Mm, then I compete. I start. I I went. I started going to Orlando for the first time, mm-hmm. and I did Orlando the opens. Orlando open. I won my division. I lost in the final of open class. All the Penams. I got. Uh, I lost on quarterfinals. I can't remember with who. In that tournament, I beat Italo by ref decision. Oh wow! That's and a big then win. I went to quarter. Yeah, I went to quarterfinals, and then I lost. I can't remember the name of this guy, to be honest. But it was a flexible guy. I think Leo Guimaraes, Leonardo Guimaraes, something mm-hmm. like that. And then I think as a promoter, I don't have any more. <laughs> I have local tournaments over the U.S. Oh, I have New York Pro. Sorry, sorry, I have, yeah, I have more. I have New York Pro. I won my division. I lost on the final open class to... To Danny of the Bolo Bros. I don't know if you know Oh, that. yeah. We had them on the podcast, too. I, yeah, they're great. I lost the final. He's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. He's really good. I train a lot with Danny. I lost the finals. And the semifinals, I fought with Josh Cisneros. Yep. Josh, Josh Cisneros. Yeah, we've had him to, on, too. He's actually in Arizona right now. So, uh, ah, he's in Arizona. So, yeah. We, we follow his career pretty closely. Yeah, he's growing a lot. He's great. He's very, yeah, upcoming star. So I was able with John to get a, with Josh to get the submission. Then Austin, I won Austin Open my division and wait, and then Orlando Summer again, and then no, then I just I compete the Grand Slam. No, that's it. As a brown belt, that's it. That's it. Perfect. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been fighting the top level guys since. Purple Bell. Probably probably you fought some of them at Blue Bell too, but all the names that you mentioned competing against in the finals, those are all some of the top black belts in the world nowadays. Yeah, yeah, nowadays they are the top. So I'm, I'm not happy just to be able to face all of that, you know, it's not like a big surprise, so now I already know them. Yeah. So now I'm happy that, you know, this is my... Well, with this quarantine, you know, I, I lost my, I would say, six, seven months of my first year as a black belt. I couldn't compete. Mm-hmm. And then I started competing a lot, so it was good. Uh, and this is my first time competing in the World Pro as a black belt, so I really had like a. I was happy with the result. And then yeah, I just started doing my. I think my first tournament was some something in Brazil. That I competed that wasn't good. It was very bad. I lost in the third match, I think. Then I did a Grand Slam in Rio again, which I lost. I lost in the semifinal with Nathan Trang. He's really good, I, really good too. Cicero yeah, Costa as well. I, yeah, I lost twice with Nathan. I lost in the Grand Slam in London as a brown belt. That I forgot that I got third place over there. And I went to the lower bracket because I I bought I I defeated this this guy Diego Ramalho. Mm-hmm. And then I faced him again on the for the third place and I lost. So I placed four play, I did four place over there. And then the next tournament, I just went to Atlanta Open, Atlanta Winter Open, and I faced Jenny Grippo in the finals. Yeah, I was actually at that one. Uh, <laughs> you were there? Yeah, that was the last time I competed, was that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching the final. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And also, I fought with uh, with this guy, Gilson Nunes. Oh. Super tough from Checkmat. Super tough. Yeah, yeah, very tough. Yeah. And then let me see. Just I went to Canada. I won one Continental Pro of the Arabic League. And then no, then was quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> then quarantine started, and then I started going to the tournaments. I competed Grand Slam in Miami. I placed. I did fourth place again. I competed Fully Open. I got the first one. I competed Houston Open. I then I beat the uh, this guy long hair. Uh, can't remember his name. He's always there competing. Uh, it's with A. Can't remember. The Lightweight name. division. 
Yeah, lightweight division. Uh, Alexander, Alexander Molinaro. Oh, Molinaro, yeah. Carlson Gracie yeah. as well. He's really good. I beat him on the f- yeah. And then after that, I think I did the American National, which I lost the finals. Uh, a super fight. The, I didn't fight to win. And then I did the finals of uh, of the Orlando Open, which I lost with Lucas Valle for the second time also. E, let me see what else. Uh, then I competed a tournament. It was in Miami for money. Its name it was ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was tough because I fought with Igor Feliz. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, he's he's still brown belt, right? He's still brown belt, bro. It was but he's insane. he's like very tough. He's, he's super very strong, <laughs> really good passing. Yeah, he trains yeah, with so, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? He trains with who's really good, uh, Hugo Marquez, right? Yeah, That's he, he's funny. not the. They are, I don't know if they are uh, main training partner. I don't know if they are the, ca- the same academy, but they were training together. Mm-hmm. Because I also train with, with Igor in Orlando. He's my friend, actually. We were oh, training awesome. together sometimes. Yeah, yes, he's a very, like, uh, I love him. He's a very nice guy. Nice. Uh, so, uh, but we had to compete in that tournament, unfortunately. Uh, it was very tough. I was just able to, at, at the end for a single leg to get, like, one advantage and uh, win the match. And then I fought, I faced on the finals to Eduardo Roque. Mm-hmm. Really good I competitor as well. Yeah. Yeah, very tough as well. So I beat him just for I think it was two two and one advantage for me. And then I did the open class and again in the final we was with the Eduardo Roque and I think I got the win by ref decision. Very tough. That's awesome. Um uh, yeah. And then I don't have any more. Then I just That uh, takes you to the uh to the World Pro? To the World Pro, yeah. After awesome. That, it's more World Pro. So yeah, I kind of want to get into that. I mean, definitely want to get into that because that's probably I would say that's probably your biggest title, like on paper. Um, maybe it's yeah, yeah. not the most important to you, but um, just in terms of like what it what it does for people's careers and what it means to to win that title, I feel like that's probably your, the the standout part of your resume. So do you want to talk a little bit about what it was like uh, competing in that tournament? Because um, I know they did a tournament the weekend before a Grand Slam event. And then just like mm-hmm. how your matches went and how satisfied you were with with your matches in the Grand Slam, um, in the world, yeah, you could talk about both. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if you want, I start with the Grand Slam. Yeah. So in the Grand Slam, I started very good. I just uh, had the first match with a guy named Hilton Leon, mm-hmm. and I was able to just uh, coming on top, just pass his guard, taking the back and submit him. Then my second match was with Adriano Araujo. And it was, it was a guy that just was like coming on top from the pool, and they just stalling, you know, like just staying there. He didn't do too much. So uh, at some point, I almost sweep him, and they gave me a point for that. So we were one and one, and the last guy to score the points supposed to win the match. Yep. So then uh, I think they did a bar, you know, the the, the falcon eye. Mm-hmm. So in that Falcon Eye, they removed the point, you know, but the, uh, it, it was my mistake because I didn't see it, but I didn't see the ref taking the point away. And I, and I wasn't able to see the screen at the time because, uh, because I think it was like I had my, my opponent here and the screen was blocking by my opponent, but it was being blocked by my opponent. So I thought I was winning, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> uh, and then I, get, I just... I say like the guy is kind of like stalling. Why is he stalling if he's losing? Like, I, I, <laughs> did I miss something? Just, I said, well, just in case, I'm gonna try to move just a little bit to maybe to score one more point. But I don't want to give too much because maybe that will cost me a point. And then when the match is over and I just see the score one zero and I went just to die, literally to to die. <laughs> so I lost. Uh, I lost to to him in the semifinals. Then I went to the lower bracket. Uh, to a lower bracket, I think I did uh, one match with a Colombia guy, and uh, I was able to sweep. Then he swept me back, and then I just sweep him, pass his guard, and took his back. If I had like ten more seconds, I could have the have the submission because I was almost with a cross choke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did the final with Espen, and he just beat me. Uh, he beat me it was one zero. He came on top of the pool, and I was trying to sweep all the match, but I wasn't able to to score. And then we just jumped direct to the World Pro. Yeah. On the World Pro, uh, I faced the first match 
with the qualifier winner of the Brazilian qualifier. It was very crazy because I didn't expect uh, to to that guy to be my opponent, to be honest. Because in that qualifier, we had uh, Andy Murasaki, Renato Canuto, yeah. uh, Luis Paulo, which won the... which. He has won the the Grand Slam the week mm-hmm. the the weekend before. He actually passed Espengar to his back and to meet him, so it was crazy. Then Matias we Luna have, uh, was in there. Yes, Matias Luna. If I'm not wrong, he, yeah, he, that, that one is the biggest one, right? Because there are two. I faced I faced one of them. I never can remember. Who, I believe Matias is the smaller one, and Mateus is the bigger one. Well, then Matias, yes, yeah. So it was crazy. Matias was able to beat. Uh, Andy Murasaki and then if I'm wrong yeah <laughs> yeah I think he shut down very well Andy Murasaki because the the way he was using his posture breaking the grip all the time mm-hmm. then he fought Luis Paulo if I'm wrong and I think he also beat Luis Paulo the two of them there uh, was on the golden score and then ref decision yep and then Renato Caruto got submitted by the guy that I faced which was the the qualifier winner? That was a crazy was knee bar, crazy. <laughs> crazy, crazy from fifty fifty. Yes. Yeah. So I know and he also this guy beat also um, uh, this guy from Jumar, the coach uh, Gabriel Figueiro. Yeah, another really tough competitor. Yeah. So it was like crazy. Like the, all the guys that I expect to face in my first match, no one of them was like what was there. It just was a guy that I didn't know. <laughs> it was like a big surprise. I said, "Like, wow, this guy must be something like super crazy." Yeah. Uh, so I was able to, to just to sweep. Uh, then I started attempting some passing, uh, and then just won by those two points. Then I faced Adrian Araujo again on the semifinals, which uh, which just I decided to switch my strategy because I knew he would want to just. Double pull and come again, just stalling all the match, you know, just not trying to even to pass or something, just stalling all the match, which was the match before that I had with him. So I just came on top from the pool. I think he didn't expect that. I was able to start putting some passings. Uh, I almost passed at the first one with a knee slice. Uh, I did a top spin. They gave me one point from coming on top, then two points for almost passing. And then we got on half guard. Um, from half guard, I was able to, I think, one advantage, one another advantage to passing, and I got an amber from half guard. Or I, don't know, I can't remember if I passed right now. So I got the amber, and once I got the amber, um, he was able to spin. So I spin with him. I just turned him over me, and I was able to get like a three quarter juji like amber. Mm-hmm. And I was really like just to break his arm, but we were out of bounds. But I think with just two more seconds, I was I was going to be able to get the submission over there. Yeah. So we reset, and they just took us to the middle. I was five zero at the time, and then we pull. I think he he came on top. He gave me one point, and from there I just uh, just played some guard. I was able to hit normal plata, and I almost sweep him, but from there he almost took my he took my almost take my back at the end. I don't know it was something crazy. I don't know if he if he reached my pangri, which is not allowed because I feel he has a big control of my hips. And it was like this is weird because they're not like, allowed to grab the pangri inside. Yeah. They can only grab the belt. So it was kind of like crazy. But he almost took my back over there, so I was just defending, and the match was over. It was five two. And then I had the match hours later with uh, Espen Matissen. Which uh, which I almost died because <laughs> it was very it was a hard match. Uh, so I, again, I just decided to see my strategy again. I decided to to come on top. We just uh, last five seconds because he swept me very fast with a deep de la Hiva. So he swept me two on one over there, and then I think the match was me trying to sweep him, but I wasn't able to. And then I get a reverse warm at the end. Which is you see it? No, I'm just lying. I, I was able to sweep him, kind of like from 50-50. Mm-hmm. Then he swept me back, and then from there I was able to just uh, set up a reverse wonger to the weak side or my weak side of this, and I was able to get a sweep. And then from there we were even, but I was the last guy on scoring. So we were, I think we were 
4-4, I was just winning one, one point. No, one point to me. I was 4-3, if I'm not wrong. Let me think. So I came on top, he swimming, 2-1, I swimming, 3-2. He swimming, 4-3. It was 5-4, yeah, 5-4 at the end. And then he almost swept me at the end. Like, uh, like he kind of like swept me. My hips touched the mat, but I was like also pushing with my hands. So I just was lifting my hips out of the mat. And the match was over. I think it was over by the time he tried to put his hip higher than my own hips. You know, that's why they made the bar. And during the bar, I was like, bro, I can't believe this shit. <laughs> if I lose this, I'm going to be so mad, so mad, you know. It was, was going to be my, my second time losing with Espen. And it's going to be my, again, losing the second time losing the finals of the World Pros. I was probably I would, I would suicide myself after the tournament, to be honest. Uh, but then I was able, the, the ref gave me the, they didn't uh, uh, score to Espen. They didn't give the point, And I was able to just get the victory. Yeah, it was an amazing match. Espen is someone we've had on the podcast and someone I've been had the fortune to train with. He's super, super high level. So, yeah, congrats again on the win. That was awesome. You made, like, a really cool post afterwards just talking about your experience at the World Pro at some of the lower belts. So I would definitely encourage people to go check that out on your Instagram because <laughs> I think that's it was really inspiring just hearing how you made it so far in those tournaments at the color belts, but you were never able to, to get the first place. And to win it yeah, the first time at Black Belt times. is pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah, bro. It was insane. I competed four times. The first one, I got nothing. The second one, I, I lost on the finals. The third one, I lost on the semifinals. And this one is my first time as a black belt. I was able to get the call. So it was, uh, yeah. yeah I was very happy with that. That's amazing. So you want to yeah. talk a little bit about, because you mentioned you have some plans to come back to the U.S. and, and do some more tournaments here. So do you want to talk about like, what your plans are in the next maybe six months to a year? Yeah, of course. So right now, I'm just... Because uh, I traveled with my tourist visa over the U.S. I didn't have my athlete visa. After you stay there over uh, six months, you're supposed to be out at least six months. Some people just, they do like one month and they return. But that could give you a serious problem with immigration. Mm -hmm. uh, so just to avoid that, I started, uh, my plan was spending at least three months out of the U.S. You know, and then returning. But now I already had my response, my response of my athlete visa, so that uh, will allow me to just go now if I want. The only thing that I have to to do is just call the embassy so they can just stamp my passport with this visa, mm -hmm. and then if, if that happens tomorrow, after tomorrow, I don't know when they're gonna give me an appointment to do that. I can go just after that immediately. I don't have to wait anymore. That's awesome. And that's my idea. Just go in there and just compete every tournament that I can. I want to compete at everything. Just compete on everything and just be able to beat everybody. Uh, and I'm gonna go with one one friend, one main training partner with me that's gonna travel with me. He's not knowing, he's it's not something that people know yet, but he has the ability to be a world champion. Like, uh, uh, just to put an eye on him because he got second at, uh, I, I forgot that, we compete at Brasileiros at Purple Bell. And also to brown belt, he got second place uh, at brown belt. He's very very tough, so I think our our goal is gonna be there and compete all. The, we are lightweight both, so we're gonna go there and just closing the lightweights all the time, all the tournaments, all the opens. So it's likely that we face uh, Jonathan Alves again and uh, the mm -hmm. other top athlete at the lightweight. So we are just hoping to to face Alves, to face Levi, to face Renato Canuto, to face. Um, all of the guys over there just be able to beat all of them. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like you yeah, have a lot of a lot of momentum right coming off the the World Pro victory, and it's really exciting to hear that you're going to be in the U.S. and to be able to participate in all the tournaments that are starting to come back now. So we're really excited <laughs> to to watch you <laughs> after the forced you, break of COVID. <laughs> bro, it was so long. Yeah, so thanks again for, for all your time. We really appreciate it. We don't want to take up too much of your day, but do you have any like sponsors or anyone you want to want to shout out or thank? Uh, yeah, of course. So I want to thank uh, my, my flame sponsor and uh, my strength conditioning coach, uh, Guido Ferrari. He trains me a lot and he has very patient with me. <laughs> uh, also, Gizmash, uh, Flow Water, 
And I think I'm not forgetting anybody else. Uh, I just want to thank also my, of course, my training partners here in Argentina, you know, my best friends, uh, my girlfriend, uh, you know, they're, my family, they're very supportive with me and without them, it's, it's impossible to do all this, this crazy thing. So, sure. and thank you, you know, thank you, Danny, yeah. for all your time also to bring me, to bring me here to this podcast. I'm, again, I'm just new doing all this stuff, so I'm very happy to participate in it. Yeah, I think with all the achievements that you have already and the ones that you're going to have in the future, I think you're going to get invited on a lot more podcasts. So <laughs> we're happy that we were the first first one. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I can return, bro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We would love that. So we would just like to thank uh, Electrum Performance. They're one of the leading providers of strength and conditioning programs, especially for jiu-jitsu athletes. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, Marcio Andre Academy, my, my Academy, Jake's Academy, Mark Haba BJJ, uh, both located in Arizona. So if you're ever in Arizona, please try and stop by one of those academies and train with us. And AgroBrand also for designing our logo and just being really supportive, giving us tons of advice. So we always appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, this is Episode 91 with Pablo Lavaselli, 77-kilogram Abu Dhabi World Pro Champion. And we will see you guys mm, probably in less than a week with another new episode. So thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate it very much. Awesome.